0: from everything well, i fall up and i fall down loser the day i was born
1: hello everybody and welcome back to another uh edition a special edition if you will i like to feel like they're all special but uh it is the podcast that puts the spotlight firmly on second place and uh of course who could be with me uh my delph of a dad's here you're late but whatever we'll let that <laughs> shit slide sorry about
2: that what can i tell you though but
1: well we come from northern new jersey to come down here to free new jersey and uh yeah (laughs) they make it difficult to get to anywhere that's better so that's kind of what they do and and uh we're excited today actually behind the ones and twos uh the big kahuna how are you buddy i'm
0: good man how you doing
1: no pressure all right i don't want you to feel like you're you're tech i mean you don't feel pressure what are you talking about you call me boss sometimes (laughs) you call my father boss all right your replacement is sitting in the wings all young, right. ma- young master Zapsic waiting for for you to fuck up just once. It Stop it.
3: That's it. And he wants you to drop that n word. <laughs> <laughs> he's waiting for you to do it. He's like, holy crap. He's like, all right, move over, Cohen. It's my turn.
1: <laughs> and uh, uh, regular listeners of the show might recognize that voice. We're very excited today because um, he's a great guest, a knowledgeable guest on the topic, and uh, a guy that I'm very excited to have become friends with over the last couple of years. But also. It's like an episode of Shark Tank right now. Kahuna is pitching to us why we shouldn't replace him with your son. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Mike Zapsic, one of the owners what? of the studio, joins What's us. What's
3: up, folks? And thank you so much for having me on. I and this is, folks. Before you're like, before you say, wait a minute, American loser. Their guest or their their topic is not American at all. This was my fuck up. This my <laughs> take. 100% ownership <laughs> of Well, he this. was a
0: brief American loser.
3: A he he was an American visitor loser. Okay. So, but That's right.
0: Um, he had a loser visa.
1: He
3: did. He, well,
1: a, a work loser visa. Okay you know who it's going to be that points this out right and he's he's a friend of everyone in the room so we can say it nick franco will be like i didn't know he i'm i swear to god that'll be the comment when i post this episode you know was
2: he a- no, really <laughs> god yeah. damn it nick we know you're smarter yeah. than all of
1: us well maybe that's <laughs> what makes him an
2: american loser is that they he f- came over here and didn't stay exactly. he left so all right you're a loser for not staying
1: well you won't you're hear me uh, defend the need of any more irish in this country let yeah. me tell you <laughs> <laughs> so and here's
3: if I if I correctly remember,
1: it's like, Nick, shut it. <laughs> uh, but uh, our, our guest and when the boss decides he wants to come in and you have a wealth of information on this guy, uh, then we cater things. So this is um, uh Irish uh, guy on vacation, an American loser.
3: Excellent. And Beautiful. I, I, love, I love that. That's great. But uh, if, if I can just throw this out, please, player, um, of all the fictional characters that spring to mind. When you think of, and it's it's an American, he's, he's almost an American icon. Totally. When you think about it, but you think of uh, like Captain America, Batman, Superman. You think of Santa Claus. Santa Claus is like an American icon. And you think of Dracula. Cause we, I mean, it, if we didn't create him, we sure as hell took ownership of them. Oh, oh, yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. We modified that and kicked it up a whole bunch of levels. <laughs> Didn't we? And, Vince um,
1: McMahon has a good theory on this, by the way, that I think it encapsulates a lot of stuff we do in America with that, where it's uh, Vince McMahon is always trying to tell people, his wrestlers, he goes, the best wrestlers, the gimmicks that work, is the guys who take their normal personality and crank it up to 11. Yeah. So... We definitely took some stories, and today's loser obviously figured it out. It's Bram Stoker. Um, but uh, the Dracula story in America, the vampire culture and everything, I would say we, we did a, a nice big fat rail of cranking it up to 11. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> oh dear
3: Lord, yes, we did. I mean, we took – if you read the book and then you watch the movie, they're two totally different animals. I mean, the original, I'm talking the 1931, the Bella LaGosi. That's Bela what I'm curious about right. too, yeah. Um, and the, shall we get started?
1: I'm into it, yeah. Beautiful, I love this. Uh, so just to give you the uh, the the zeitgeist, we taught my dad one word, and we're gonna stick with that oh, yeah, for the rest yeah, of the That's the show. a good one, that's a good one. But uh, now we you, don't,
2: and- we don't normally use that word, you know, that that kind of phraseology uh, around the shop, but you know, the, the zeitgeist of the times,
1: no, well, because it's a German word, and you curse right. in Gaelic whenever something goes wrong, <laughs> <laughs> time, so. but uh. Very excited here. So uh, November 8th, which is, uh, you know, an auspicious date in our family, too. I know December 8th is Kerry's birthday. Uh, 1847 is when this guy's born. So this is America is not in the the Civil War just yet. Um, But that doesn't really matter, this guy, because he is born uh, in Ireland. Actually, it's uh, 1847. He's born in uh, Clontarf, which is on the north side of Dublin. Lawrence Patrick, as as an Irishman, uh, uh, an Irish-American, I should say, You and me both know something about Clontarf off the top of our heads. Do you recall it? It's
2: just outside of Dublin.
1: You bastard. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Um,
1: I don't know if you know it. Do you know about Clontarf? No. uh,
3: uh, uh, Educate me. Elucidate me. I was going to say, what the hell does that mean?
1: Illuminate. Brief side note here. So so there's these bastards called the Vikings, right? And they're showing up. And uh, the big problem that everyone had with the Vikings is... You got all this beautiful coastline that they're just really good at pillaging. And when you're an island, that means pretty much nowhere safe. So,
3: oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, it's, it's like, oh, now it, I see where you're going. Yeah, if, if the Vikings were hanging around, you know, um, lbi
1: you know we would be <laughs> the trade would drop yeah. yeah you sure you want to go to ship's bottom no uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh but uh interestingly enough that's why there's all this coastline in ireland that was never inhabited really right so it's because the vikings would come by and the vikings had their hobbies of uh someone pointed this out to me that's why um scandinavian people tend to have uh perfectly symmetrical perfectly symmetrical facial features because they pretty much kidnapped the best-looking people from wherever they pillaged. Oh God! Yeah. <laughs> oh, they, they
3: were a very rapey culture. Oh yeah, that's. Uh... They were, uh, and I'm I'm assuming that the um, the people that they would kidnap, which um, people meaning women. Mm-hmm. Uh, I doubt they took too many men.
1: No, it's uh, as handsome as you are, Larry. I don't think you well, were getting away yeah. with that one. And uh, my face does not match up. I got Picasso genes going on over here. I'm adopted. It's been pointed out to me. So uh,
3: <laughs> you, You're actually a Picasso? Congratulations. My, yeah. You
2: got your thumb in that pie. Yeah. That's
1: nice. I'm pretty valuable, actually. Dad, how much have I cost over the years? Uh, <laughs> wow.
2: and there's, there's no Lemon Laws with a dog. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that the bitch? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's no Lemon Laws with uh, your own
3: biologicals either. So. <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, but... Um, Clontarf's an interesting spot because uh, a huge battle takes place. Um, all the Vikings are uh, kind of just running wild over Ireland. Ireland's still tribal people, a lot of the Celts, you know, that stuff. Maybe a couple Anglo-Saxons kind of mixed in here and everything like that. And uh, the first High King of Ireland, a guy by the name of Brian Baru, who uh, we told my cousin Brian he was named after. It was not. It was uh, somebody else. But right. <laughs> uh, Brian Baru is the first High King of Ireland, and what that means is he united all the tribes... And they defeated and beat back the Vikings at Clontarf. So, pretty cool fucking spot to be in.
3: That is actually uh, was you related to Billy Baru? Billy, <laughs> the old Billy Baru. <laughs> <laughs> I wish on that one. <laughs> if we could, if we could get definitive proof, I would just be in seventh
1: heaven right now. And you can also, I mean, you don't have to have, as we've pointed out with conspiracy theorists, modern day ones. You can tie these things in together pretty quickly. Damn straight. <laughs> yep. But you were over there uh, in what the seventies?
2: Mm, Yeah,
1: and did you get to now? You, uh, I'm asking you about this one too because I think you'll know it. There is a rich history of Irish writers.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely.
1: Do you think it's because it's a depressed, heavy drinking? oppressed people
2: so you're saying you do your best writing on your shit face oh,
1: well I used to as, as Brookdale <laughs> Don't community I, college I can tests. say that yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: actually at least it sounds sounds good well, then yeah. next morning might be a little gibberish yeah, right.
3: <laughs> right. he's a little gibberish-y. Uh yeah actually if you talk to my creative writing uh, teacher over at Brookdale he he liked it when I was sober uh, <laughs>
2: <laughs> which was few and far between yeah. obviously the man was in his cups
1: Uh, That's a good one. Uh, I enjoy that right away. Um, But there is a whole culture of of great Irish writers here. Uh, Mike, you knew some of Bram Stoker's contemporaries, right? Yes, there was um, Oscar Wilde, who was technically Irish,
3: technically Irish, but he emigrated to England. He actually uh, was a few years younger than Bram himself, Uh, went to same uh, Trinity College uh, in Dublin. You know anything College, about Trinity, right?
1: Dad? Huh? But, not quite T.C.N.J. Is no, it? Not no, no, Trenton not quite, State? Not quite.
3: <laughs> it's, but the, I think that Trenton State is one of its sister schools. <laughs> so <we're laughs> there trying. you go, right? Um, the program. <laughs> I thought that was Trenton uh, State <laughs> Correctional Facilities, <laughs> was, but that's whatever. That's neither here nor yeah. there. Um, it's close. It's in uh, Ewing. Exactly, Oscar, uh, Oscar Wilde, um, uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle before he was Sir. Ah. Just he was just. Um, Connie. Exactly. <laughs> Arthur Doyle. He was um, uh, I'm, I'm listening to a an audio book about uh, Audible download um, that uh, shows you the real Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. And, you know, uh-huh. he's, they, they talk to a bunch of things and, and they said that uh, Bram Stoker, Oscar Wilde and uh, later on Bram would become friends for friendly with Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Interesting because um, I'm, I'm actually why I'm why am I telling the story? This is
1: yours. This is go. No, oh. I, I, it's fun to to get the wealth of knowledge too because okay. uh, people who are regular listeners of the show know that we do we do yeah. You know, there's certain websites we go to to get our information, and we go down these journeys every week while we're learning. We stuff. call them
3: rabbit holes where I come
1: from, but yes, yes you're absolutely <laughs> it's right, absolutely very right. true. Um, and there's sometimes we're just like, there's no way. But it, here was the thing that that fascinated me, Mike, is that. We couldn't find any connection, like you said, for an American loser here. And yet, this guy's story is riddled with what we call on the show "loser loserceptions, where other people start to come in. I love oh, it. So, okay. um, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, by the way, Sherlock Holmes, who, uh, I watched a documentary on him not too long ago. Uh, and I believe it was a, a scholarly man named Tommy Chong said, Sherlock Holmes used to do cocaine, man.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you want to hear weird, I was watching match games. Uh-oh. Match Game 74 and Ann Mira was on and one of the questions was a Sherlock's Sherlock Holmes question and I said um the the blank, you know, Match Game, I'm not going to give you the whole setup, but you have to match what the you know, contestant has to match what the celebrities say. So, um it was like Pardon me. How do you expect me to solve this case while you're sitting on my blank? So um, <laughs> Ann Mira said violin because he, he she's talk about a wealth of knowledge. Right. This woman from Queens was just she's like, oh, yeah, Sarah um, Sherlock Holmes. Uh, he played the violin and he was addicted to uh, opium and cocaine and in, in the background. While Gene goes over and talks to somebody else, you hear, oh, yeah, he was an addict. And this is a fictional character, <laughs> right, but right. she is so invested <laughs> right. in him. Sherlock Holmes, is- Sherlock Holmes is an addict and a violinist. Right. So I, I like it.
1: So I'm going to go ahead and say that's that thing that people have where they have a difficult time differentiating between the character and the actor playing them. Because Art Robert Downey Jr. He's playing a little violin in that. Yeah, I'm sure Aww. he was,
4: and he was. Yes,
1: maybe he did uh, some '90s stuff, getting into character. He was, <laughs> <laughs>
4: and, and if you
3: watch the the updated one from the BBC, um, Sherlock, it's, people
1: love that. That's a great show. That show. It is, yeah,
2: yeah. and he is a he is an addict in that as well. Yeah, it's but it's not too far afield to uh, for this woman on the Match Game to be like adamant about he was a coke addict and everything else because at the time people were writing letters um to Sherlock Holmes to, to help solve various cases you know so they're writing a real letter to this fictional character To solve, you know, a real-life situation kind of a thing.
3: Up until about five years ago, he was writing letters to Santa Claus. So, (laughs) there you go.
1: Yes, Virginia, there is a Sherlock Holmes. That would be
3: awesome. Yes, and Mira, there's a Sherlock Holmes. And no, you cannot sell him cocaine.
2: Well, there's... um... You can leave it with the cookies.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I think about it in a a modern context that we're lucky because we have um message boards and reality shows that people who have like-minded interests are able to kind of bump into each other right um so what fascinated me is that back then if you met especially in ireland which had you know we've covered some of the troubles around this time frame Mm -hmm. uh but uh it was very interesting to me that a lot of these people have to uh as soon as you find somebody who's also a writer or an interest in the theater or anything like that you're like holy shit, all right, this is all I ever want to do. Like, back in the day, Kahuna would not have sat there and been like, oh, I'm going to go work for Mike and Ming over to shared universe. They'd be figuring out, you'd sit there and be like, I need to get into the plumber's union. You <laughs> <know what laughs> I mean? But luckily, you found these guys, and you know, you've kind of been on here ever since. And that's how these Irish authors are, and authors in general. These guys keep, we talked about a, a dude who, who shows up later on in the episode, but uh, H.P. Lovecraft is... One of the most ridiculous, and I mean, could you? He is a high maintenance pen pal. I think it was like 10,000 something <laughs> no letters that way. he wrote. Well, because he was insane with the stuff that he was going on with. Um, but uh, one of the, the guys that these people all critiqued each other's work. So it was almost like a writer's workshop oh. via the global postal service back then. And the way that a lot of these dudes met each other was because, like you were saying earlier, Trinity College. Bram winds up getting involved with uh, the theater program over there.
3: So. Yes, he was okay. a sickly boy. Uh, mm-hmm. Up until the time he was seven, he was bedridden.
1: Mm-hmm. A lot and, of time to think. Yes,
3: and his um, his imagination was formed by his mother or informed by his mother who told scary Irish stories, you know. Like, like my grandmother, you know, if you don't eat all your lucky
4: charms,
3: (laughs) you'll become a prostitute like your great grandmother. I'm like, okay, great. Um, But there's a lot of um, mythology in uh, the Celtics. Oh, absolutely. There's the Banshee. There are the the Will of the Wisps. There are I mean, it's insane. Do you know
1: about the Dullahan? I do not. This one's my favorite to tell real quickly. Um, And of course, it's the the. American loser gimmick. No one calls you back on your car ride down or your car ride back home. Everyone calls you during the studio time. Uh, so sorry, Billy Barnwell. I can't answer right now, buddy. Uh, the Dullahan was, uh, tell me if you guys can think of any American spin maybe we put on this particular character. But uh, the Doolahan is a, uh, uh, a guy who rides on a horse, but it's just a body, Mike. There's no head on the guy riding, mm. on this man riding this horse. So it's the dual hand and he shows up to take you to the other side. Can we think of anything? No, Perhaps no, a, a a greater New York I'm area trying author <laughs> I'm <trying to> think. <laughs> in my you, early uh, American yeah. society. That no, of... He has no
3: heads. And his, and his, uh, no, I'm not ringing a bell. Um, icky,
2: I- icky, ichi- ichi- ichi-
3: Ichabod. You would, would be less. You'd <laughs> be less head.
1: Huh? No, no, got nothing. <laughs> Well, if we, uh, oh, hey, the, the, the New York Knickerbockers are on TV. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty wild that um, we take the spins on that stuff. Because, like you said, if you're hearing nothing but Irish fairy tales, can we be honest, Dad, they're pretty depressing.
2: Oh, some of them can be, absolutely. I mean, another one was that when somebody died, you had to go out and whisper into the ear of the of the cattle and the, the sheep and everything else that so-and-so just died. But you had to whisper it, otherwise the evil spirits, the little people might hear it and steal, steal their soul before they had a chance to go up to heaven. And when somebody was laid out in a wake, you could ne- no one, you could not leave the the dead body by itself. Otherwise they would come in and steal your soul that uh, they would have, they would have to hire like professional mourners that women would come in and uh, wail and cry and everything else and carry on and to, get, to get so, rid of the, yeah, the right, spirits to scare them away. and, and to leave the body accompanied by some living soul or you know some living person wow. until uh, until they were planted in the ground i my, love that man. my
1: ex-girlfriend actually was um uh, she was a professional mourner it turns out she was just hungry um, <laughs> KP.
3: Are you sure she wasn't a sin eater? I'm <laughs> <laughs> just checking. Just but checking. no,
1: that's, uh, that's the beauty of dating a girl who lives in New York, but is from Ireland. They Oh, man, just they love to beat you. I got called gobshite a lot. I'll put it that way. Um, interesting to note, though, I thought this was worthwhile to mention, is that, uh, uh, you know, Kahuna, you work in the arts. Um, so can we say this? It's easier to be a critic than it is to create. Yes. So 100%. guess what? one of bram's first jobs which by the way was a government job i thought this was interesting the irish civil service uh actually puts him into working as a theater critic yeah that's not something nowadays it's like oh, i'm a theater critic i better have good seats and uh, a got, fine dinner You got a and...
0: pension to write this is bullshit pretty about much about the local plays and shit yeah actually
1: yeah. one of his reviews just said hated it <laughs> <laughs>
2: Ahead, it also help helps too when your when your dad is working in, as a civil servant, and, and his dad was able to get him the job with the civil service, and he was definitely connected. In order to get into Trinity College, you had to be connected just to get in there and
1: be still to, an esteemed institute. Be of
2: the of the proper religion and uh, background,
1: and which was what, and social which class. was what. Well, we wanna, there's no need to go now. You there. have to say because it, it comes in later.
2: Yeah. Well, again, we have some loose receptions there too with. Uh, People who wanted to go to Trinity College but were not allowed um, because of their uh, Catholic belief, as opposed to the Church of England or the Church of Ireland,
3: as opposed which is to the
2: same church. Exactly, right? I was going to
3: say. <laughs> right, um, and the major difference in there is just who you give your tithing to, right. and that's pretty much it. Right. Uh, they still celebrated Christmas in a that's really a- <laughs> crappy way because it was Ireland in England.
2: Right.
1: But at least there's nice weather in the winter there right and i hope i hope <laughs> yes, it's lovely <laughs> well he's uh he's hooked up over here he actually winds up giving uh what uh, wikipedia just refers to as a favorable review to uh, a performance of uh hamlet which by the way i mean those are the classics we covered hamlet in depth with orson wells because he did a nice version of that one um and then he also did voodoo macbeth which the more i read about that the more i realized somehow in our two hours and 40 minutes of the orson wells episode we still left some shit out um, are you serious yeah orson
2: yeah. orson could go on
1: for, for he's days. he's been the hero <laughs> on this show in terms of quality mm-hmm. of uh, content but Jesus. uh the actor's name uh in this particular uh hamlet uh rendition is uh henry irving who will go on to become a sir as well so uh Bram's hanging out with some good people. Yeah, he's hanging out yeah. with some heavy hitters, there's no doubt. Yeah, he struck yeah. up
3: a very close friendship with them um, and ended up uh, running the license. Uh, this is a decade later. He
2: left the service of Ireland. and Not the military service. No, but the- no. The, the, the <laughs> I'm a veteran of the literary critic wars. <laughs> civil service,
3: yeah. And uh, ended up... Um, Irving owned the Lyceum Theater in uh, London and went there yeah. and and ran it. And actually, uh, he took care of most of Irving's personal affairs, too, writing up to 50 letters a day, like Jesus. fan letters, I'm assuming. So that's that's just insanity. Can I
1: try to make a comparison for the listeners at home, Mike? Can you sure. tell me if this is correct? Let's say um, so. He gives this favorable review and then gets the eye of, uh, you know, Henry Irving, who's a a very famous actor. Um, Irving, fascinating character, too. We're going to jump into him in a second. But um, one thing I'm just trying to give a a modern uh, reference point here. Let's say that Henry Irving makes a movie in 1991, an independent film, (laughs) and uh, it takes off and it's a big hit. And then some nerd makes a website that's a fan website for it, and then all of a sudden he's taken care of the rest of his life does that sound like anybody we might know might
3: sort of does and <laughs> but i don't think that ming chen has ever written um uh, 50, 50 50 letters <laughs> in his life uh, well that's not just, actually to be honest with you that web um the the old message board he was doing a, he was probably kissing 50 asses on that one so yeah yeah he's he's close so yeah, there you oh go. Ming God. Chen equals Bram Stoker.
1: Uh-oh. That's,
3: so that's, well, that's perfectly <laughs> well, fine. Yeah,
1: but he's going to sue us once we get to the other parts of his life. Yeah, <laughs> <what's-> <laughs> um, but they're interesting here. He winds up, uh, he's working for the guy. They own that theater, which uh, any time on American Loser uh, that I don't know how to pronounce something, I just don't say it. So okay. I don't, it's a lyceum, you said the lyceum. Lyceum. lyceum, lyceum. See, I got it lyceum. wrong already. That sound, oh, that's all right. Mine sound lyceum. like, yeah, like an ingredient you bake out of Ajax. Um, <laughs> but um, no, well, you're t- a
3: terrorist. Yes.
1: <laughs> we get enough. We're very We're popular. We're already on the FBI watch list. Yeah. No need to go this inside. show has trended in the Russian <laughs> Federation a few too many times. <laughs> but uh thought it was worth mentioning here real quickly. Uh, 1878. Uh, he actually winds up getting married to uh, Florence uh, Balcombe, or yes. Balcombe, right? Balcombe. Who, now, as I recall from the little bit I read, she was a looker, no? She
3: was very attractive. Uh-huh. as enough to catch the fancy of one yep. Oscar You're Wilde, wild. yeah. the ex of Oscar Wilde. So now this is a guy, um, how do I put, I I can only put these in 70s and 80s. Uh, comparisons, because these days I ain't got nothing. <laughs> so imagine uh, Oscar Wilde is the Liberace, the Charles Nelson Riley, the Paul Lynn <laughs> of the 1800s, the late 1800s. He is flamboyant. He is he is living large, larger than life. He owns a couple candelabras. He owns many candelabras. <laughs> um, His story, which most people call the portrait of Dorian Gray, it's it's actually the picture of Dorian Gray. Okay, you know, it's because you think Oscar Wilde, it needs to be something bigger than just a picture, you know. So it's most people like jazz it up in their head. And it's it's happened like on more than one occasion that people literally say oh the portrait of dorian gray no the picture of dorian picture gray of dorian it's something it's... people know
1: about that now because that was uh, a major story point that inspired the first season of penny dreadful on netflix yes of all things yes. i did not i wasn't prepared for that because i took as as much as i should on brookdale i took one incredible short stories class with a professor who i'm not even making this up i can't remember his name gene schneider uh hang on <laughs> uh this guy was a former state trooper. Who turned and he was like, he was my hero because it was like finally, like I I look like a goddamn cop. Everybody's I've been getting that my whole life. Oh, cool. I grew my hair out just to get called Serpico, Um, (laughs) but
3: (laughs) it's uh, it
1: just is what it is.
3: That's a 70s rapper, yeah. yeah, That
1: was uh, there was some uh, some nonsense going on with all that. But the thing I wanted to say that brings us into uh, one of the first uh, of many lose receptions here is that, uh, yes, that the girl did catch the eye of uh, Oscar Wilde, and uh, it was interesting to me that Oscar Wilde, like you said, also. You know, that, that's not his preferred cup of tea, if you will. No,
3: exactly. <laughs> yeah, his, per, right. his preferred cuppa, as they say <laughs> in England.
1: <laughs> well, he had um, he actually had a, a pretty much, because uh, we studied him, and it comes into the idea of uh, uh, hubris is where we learned that, which is pride before the fall. And his, uh, his undoing, if you will, was the fact that he was doing uh, a relatively higher-up, well-known um, son of the Marcus of Queensberry. Oh, this is Correct. nice. Yeah, yeah. So the Marques or Mar- uh, Marques, I believe they pronounce it Marcus, right.
2: Marques or Queensberry, yeah, who
1: right. big boxing guy, man's man, happened to have a son who was uh, Didn't you quite
2: know, measure up to daddy's uh, hopes and dreams. Bit, bit fancy footwork. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Larry. <laughs> yeah, right. He can dance around. Terrible boxer. Best <laughs> outfits on his way
1: into the ring I've ever
3: seen. Um, he, he just, what a stage presence. He was a Greco-Roman wrestler. <laughs> there you go.
1: But yeah, that was what Oscar Wilde wound up getting in trouble for was because uh, he was pretty much told he goes, you don't ever go near that guy again. And the two of them were just uh, head over heels for each other. So it's interesting that this girl, uh, you know, Miss Balcom, if you will, is getting uh, the eye of that guy. And then also uh, Bram Stoker who, interestingly enough, is a guy who uh, there's also some weird rumors about on some certain things. Uh, if you needed a drink, by the way, grab it, because we'll just, I don't, I was about to. I was going no, to was p- gonna ask Larry. Yeah, good. Easy We're good. Um, but uh But, yeah, Bram, not exactly, first of all, you pointed this out, Dad, it's pretty much a sexless marriage. You're right. So you have a stunning wife at home, and you're just not doing anything with it.
2: She's just a, a showpiece. Something to put on your arm, I guess, when you're parading around. Yeah. <laughs> the beard. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah. This ought to quiet the rumors at Thanksgiving. Um, <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, right? Just because I liked Oscar Wilde. Yeah, just because you're scrolling through Oscar Wilde stuff and you liked it on the right.
1: It's weird. and then these guys also meet at a philosophical society. and uh, Ireland, interesting culture for the philosophers uh, as well too, because um they were that's also where our another loose reception comes in. Technically, uh, Thomas Francis Maher was a member of some of these uh, debate societies, if you will. Right. Who goes on to head up right the Irish that, Brigade.
2: Right in that same time frame, too.
1: Well, that big theater that um, yeah, I don't I forget the name of the theater that Maher was like the big ticket draw for whenever he was. is like, oh, I want to is is Maher on tonight. I want him to smash a watermelon with his hammer. Yeah, He was like more that.
2: speechifying, <laughs> no, than, than actually uh, stage acting.
1: True. And then um, the, they have a weird love of the arts in Ireland. It's right. pretty cool of them. Uh, Now, uh, eventually, we're going to get into the the big ticket item for uh, because there was a guy, uh, obviously, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle comes in here because uh, when when you're too big for uh, Ireland, you got to move somewhere else. Right, Mike? Is that fair to say? Of course. Yeah. You know, it's uh, not to draw another comparison, but let's say you grew up out in the Midwest and then, uh, you know, you can come hang out in the world's coolest comic book shop you know ming's gonna move
3: ming will move <laughs> we know this so it's it's perfectly fine
1: <laughs> well what uh what is it do you remember the stuff that kind of brings him from ireland over to the the london high society if you will
3: uh to be honest with you uh that that they i skipped over um in
2: pursuit of vampires um you,
1: don't was, get me wrong because we're on our way there yeah no, <laughs> i know um, i
2: I think it was more with uh, the offer from Irving to uh, exactly. m- help manage the uh, Lyceum Theater.
1: If that's where the gig is, you got to take right, the gig. Right. So, yeah. So. And,
2: and at the same time, he's moving beyond just London. When be, Maybe it's on uh, Irving's coattails, but they're going, you know, world tours kind of a thing. Exactly. He's... he's his uh, right hand man, lefty, there—that's moving around the world.
1: Well, he's writing at this time too. I want to make uh, he sure is that, cause yep. he because he's doing his stuff, but he's taking the gig that pays. Uh, you know, the, it's kind of like Kahuna is on the show, where it's like, yes, he does our audio engineer stuff, but the guy's also an active filmmaker. Um, and then uh, everything you're doing with the puppets and the writing work, uh, also you sell coke, which is nice. I mean, that's just well, been very. That's right the big yeah. business right now. <laughs> it's just
2: decided. Oh, so it's, it's been business. rough.
3: Yeah. yeah. It was it, well. I mean, you know, his biggest fictional account just like. Wiped off. It's Sherlock Holmes, for God's sake. <laughs> well, uh, why'd you take him away from me?
1: <laughs> one thing, uh, Jesus, that was perfect. Wow. All right. <laughs> one thing I—I uh, was—I'm very excited about this one weird thing we found, and I think you might have stumbled upon it too, Dad. And we're about to throw to you because there's, um, uh, Bram is a student of history too on a lot of things. Oh
3: my God, he is. Yes, and He's, it's great. Right. he loves i mean he's he's a scholar he's when he was at trinity he was um he was kind of athletic after you know humble beginnings he was bedridden till he was seven made a a miraculous recovery and he became uh kind of a um you know an athlete at trinity but he was also uh he he graduated with honors which is tough to do trinity one of the the finest establishments in Ireland. I mean, not that that's saying much. Sorry. Yeah, there's. Uh, uh,
1: th- that's about the one I think, right? Yeah, there was that, and then uh, I mean, there's Rutgers, IU. Um. <laughs> I was gonna say I thought
3: it was Ryder, but that's <laughs> that is me. So, but he, um, yeah, he was a civil servant, but he had greater aspirations. He didn't want to just be a civil servant, although you know, he to serve was fine for his beginning career right
2: i mean it's a it's a startup
3: yeah and he was he was bouncing around he was trying new things um you know he was certainly writing he wrote uh the technical manual for civil servants in ireland that was his first published work
1: exciting stuff really Exc- showed a lot of yeah, really promise no. you can't put <laughs> no. that one down the, vision. <laughs> the vision exactly here That's you go for gotta sure. love it
3: um so uh yeah but his love
1: of
2: of literature though really started as a youngster because he was bedridden for so long that he had nothing else to do nothing
3: better to do but either listen to mom and her creepy stories right or read and yes and there wasn't really a lot of uh, i mean there were uh, there was gothic literature back then and that would have appealed to a Mm -hmm. young bram stoker which is why that influenced uh dracula in many ways and if you read um, or if you look at his, uh, bibliography, you see that, uh, he tended towards the macabre. He wanted to be
1: another word we had to learn for the show. Thank you, Edgar Allen Pope. Um, <laughs> um, he,
3: he wanted to be, uh, for want of a better term, the Stephen King of the 1800s. Yeah, okay. Right, Good comparison. Go. I like he that. wanted yeah. to do that. He yeah. wanted to be as prolific as King who again, Kahuna. Mm-hmm. You missed it. King was a huge cocaine head. So, yeah, look Damn at ma- it. yeah,
0: look at Maximum Overdrive. Yeah, you're like, you're
3: like, yeah, I was wasn't even born yet. Uh, yeah, if you could grab the Wayback Machine, um, but you know, he didn't have. It took him seven years to research what went into Dracula.
2: Right. He's
1: got some cool. Because right. he
2: started writing that and seven years later when yeah. he finally puts, puts it to the publisher. And when he, he sent it to the publisher, they eviscerated it. They cut
3: it out because they didn't want it. And uh, we were talking about uh, KP and I were talking about this before you got here, Larry. He said that it was based on a true story. So I'm like, whoa. That's pretty cool. This is the Amityville horror. Right, right. Before the Amityville Amityville horror horror was. I don't don't know if you
1: saw the joke I wrote about Amityville on uh, my Facebook the other day, but I said, uh, I finally just watched the Amityville horror. It's the horrifying true story of a family that slowly learns they live in Long Island. Yeah, (laughs) it's true.
3: Very true. uh, he published his first novel, *The Primrose Path*, in 1875.
1: Good name, too, by the way. Love it. Yeah, that's um, uh, that's been studied as well. That's an, a scholarly effort on some of that stuff.
3: And and if you read a lot of the reviews, it was uh, *Dracula* was critically acclaimed, just from his style. He he did it in. Uh, if you'll excuse me for one second, I'm just going to check my notes here.
1: You're uh, totally allowed to. Uh, oh, that's good. That's- <laughs> uh,
3: where come on? I don't need to see that. But, um, uh, they called it, um, what the, where the hell is it? You're killing
1: me. Well, cause locations are huge for him for some of the tours he goes on. And then also places that he does some of the writing.
3: That's exactly it. They said that yeah. nobody could, could, uh, write a place like Bram Stoker he could he could visually take you there which is right.
1: hilarious because the novel we're about to come to is dracula which comes from a lot of lore if you will on eastern europe and that's one of the few places this dude has never been i know uh, yeah, so he just picks up the yeah, mood he never it. really yeah. actually
2: went there but it was a I uh, i think a uh a compiling of a lot of different places that he visited like a castle in scotland yes. or a, mm-hmm. a lighthouse uh, Cruden bay on, on was on one of the places shore, yeah that yeah. Uh, that he kind of took all of those different locales and kind of blended them all together into into Dracula.
3: exactly it's it's almost like taking uh, a sheet of paper putting it on like a tombstone doing the the <laughs> etching and then being like um'm I've been to every place that this person's been so jesus it's it's really weird because he he went to um here's a it's a little known well you you might have it in your notes it's a he went to uh the subscription library in whitby england yes and he requested a specific title it was the accounts of principalities Uh, of uh wallachia and moldavia by william wilkinson
4: Yep,
1: and uh dark stories from the carpathian mountains do you know any famous carpathians Yes.
2: Anybody? Anyone? Anyone?
3: The Anyone? Carpathian? Vigo. The Carpathian? Lord of, Lord of The Carpathian. <laughs> Carpathian. Lord of Moldovia. In, <laughs> in
2: full battle array, or? A... <laughs>
3: that, oh, he was so handsome. That's um,
0: I'm so mad at
3: myself right You should have been. <laughs> yeah. I've worked with better, but not many. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, he <laughs> went to the Whitby Museum where he checked out a series of maps and he, he actually put together the route from London to uh, a mountaintop deep within the wilds of Romania, a latitude and longitude previously noted in his journal and confirmed again this very day.
1: No shit. Um,
3: <laughs> then he went to um, the Whitby Harbor and that's where um, he found out that there was a shipwreck there and a sailing vessel, the Dimitri, it ran aground. Years earlier, Um, inside the protective harbor, only a handful of the remaining crew alive. The ship, which originated in Varna, anybody, Varney the vampire, any Varney, Uh, Varna, an eastern port was carrying a mysterious cargo crates of earth. Now, why would they bring earth over here or dirt? I mean, this is before. You know, you could turn this stuff into explosives. I mean, for God's sakes, they didn't they didn't have that technology back then. But uh, while investigating the damaged ship, the rescue workers reported seeing a large black dog consistent, consistent with a Yorkshire myth of a beast known as Bargist. Escape from the hull of the ship, run up the 199 steps, steps from Tate Sands Beach onto the graveyard of St. Mary's Church. So he went there, he talked to these people. And he dug this stuff up. This is what he did for seven years. Right. And holy crap, it's, I mean, he dug
2: deep for this. Yeah. Taking a lot of the local folklore from various locations. Local color, as it's called, is a literary device. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: So he, and he, what's crazy is that he nails it too. And one thing, just brief, brief sidestep into the idea of history here, because this is always a, a, a misconception people have. So, uh, The fall of Rome gets kind of disputed sometimes because you have Rome falling because it reached its greatest height. Right. And then it splits into the Western Empire, which is essentially Europe, um, France, Germany, uh, Ireland, England, all those countries, stuff like that, uh, because now Rome can't support those people. So it's like, hey, we conquered you. You were paying us taxes and shit like that. Uh, We're we're done. We can't afford that anymore. And that launches us into the Dark Ages, which then they they literally just mimic all of the stuff from Rome that Rome was doing earlier, and then essentially created a second Rome, if you will, in Western Europe. Now, in Eastern Europe, they actually were able to still afford all that. They became known as the the Byzantine Empire. So that's Byzantium, all that other stuff. And you start to see that they still don't trust each other because, get this, uh, the... Uh, once the the Western Europe starts to figure its own power out, you got uh, Charlemagne, Charles Martel, all those other guys. Uh, this is a couple generations worth. They were all related to each other, by the way, which I thought is insane. But um, as those guys are starting to form this Western European empire, there's now a dispute between who really is holding power here: um, the Holy Roman Emperor or the Pope himself. Right. So now the Catholic Church is, in, you know, it, it's waving it's uh you know i'm sure it's not the best way to say it but it's a big swinging dick is coming around the pope's looking to he's got a a power struggle he's butting heads with the holy roman emperor he goes well the emperor decrees all and he goes but i'm the messenger of god and he goes all right but i'm the one that wears the crown he goes all right i'm the one that gives you the crown they're doing a tit for tat this whole Ah. time so ducks yeah that, that (laughs) that
2: whole um time frame after the fall of the roman empire and everybody's going their own way kind of a thing and then there's this the the roman emperor well who the hell is that and who appoints him when they that's, do not
1: get along is that god yeah. give,
2: no and everybody's just all kinds of infighting and everything else and then um after the the the, the defeat of the crusades now you've got the ottoman empire coming in and they're they're, they're preaching a there. whole different religion and I'm, they're They're at odds. Oh, you can tell I'm setting you up, man. This wasn't a diatribe.
3: Not only that, but the Dark Ages weren't the Dark Ages for everybody. Because the Ottoman Empire, they were pretty cool. Yeah, they were. They were making advances in science and art. And guess
1: who they studied, too? This one always tripped me up. It's known as the Muslim synthesis that happened around that time frame. And they were literally bringing in, it goes, get me some Greeks. They know how to do shit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they studied all the old um, Aristotle and all those other guys. So they actually mimicked the Greek empires that the Romans ripped off, that then Western Europe ripped off from the Romans. But the the whole point is that uh, with the Crusades going on and everything now, this is one of the first times you have Western Europeans even heading over that way. But before you get over to the Holy Land, you got to go through, uh, you know, Byzantium, if you will, which in theory is you'd like, oh, right, well, we should get along with these people. They're Christians. We're Christians. We're fighting a holy war against the Muslims. Nope. We don't fucking trust anybody. We're not giving troops to support them on some of the things they're involved with. The Byzantian uh, leaders are sitting there like, all right, well, hey, what if we tell them that these guys are the bad guys here and we can get them this new army that just showed up and take out our enemies for us? They're beefing. they're Eastern Orthodox religion. Right. So that's your. Um, that's your uh, uh, Jets-Giants rivalry right there. <laughs> um, but uh, so they're beefing on that stuff. So the idea that a guy who's never been over there, uh, you know, in Bram Stoker, who's never been to, to really Far East Europe is able to now study these weird, baffling stories, right? While also kind of living in high society in London, hanging out with Irving, who, by the way, Irving uh, also a huge inspiration for characters he's about to create in his coming most famous novel. Um, it's pretty baffling that this guy is able to, to pull this off. Now, he meets a uh, uh, you're going to think this is bad because we've we've identified the term wandering Jew before on the show. Mm-hmm. Right. The wandering Jew was first mentioned in the show because uh, Mary Todd Lincoln claimed to have seen one and that it uh, it stole something from her and that it was responsible for Lincoln's assassination. She lost her shit towards the end. Um, but the wandering Jew goes all the way back into, uh, uh, I think, Old Testament Bible. So when we say this guy literally just happens to also be a Jewish person who is wandering, um, he's the guy uh, Armin Vanbury, right? That's a, a. Did you mention him earlier?
3: Arminus Vanbury.
1: There it is. That's the guy's name.
3: Ar- Ar- I'm sorry. Arminius. Arminius. Arminius, Arminius. Vanbury. Can't uh, I trust mean, I, the Armos. I know. No I, I could be butchering his name, too. He told him about the book. Yeah. They, yeah. they were out to dinner at the beefsteak club. I wish that was still around. <laughs> yeah, right. That's good, right? Beefsteak Charlie's. There you go. <laughs> oh, Unlimited man. beefsteak. All the, yeah, all the beer, wine, and sangria you can drink. Um, told him about the book. Told him where to look for it and how to look for it. Yep. So that's, uh, I mean, and if he's the wandering Jew, that's awesome. Because mm-hmm. I'm still looking for that dude. <laughs> and I, I don't think that, you know, um. There are a lot of people out there who are like, "Wow, Zapsix is losing his shit," and, and you'd be right. But I think that there's like, there are immortals out there.
1: As weird as
2: it sounds, I think there are, there have to be because it just, it's
3: too perfect.
2: Well, he's a recurring character throughout throughout history from the from. Yeah, you know, the New uh, Testament all the way uh, up. German
1: fairy tales too had them, which then got used by the Nazis to try to drum up anti. They've been bad the whole time. We've been telling you. <laughs> yeah,
3: right, Nazi. Well, you can't trust Nazis. So also true. And not one. I hate so. those guys. I hate those guys. <laughs> um, and and he hits all those recurring notes, like the everything from um, Whitberry. Um, he he incorporates into Dracula. So
1: almost in like a. Uh, uh, a rock and roll way of uh there's certain artists that borrow from every possible genre uh he's about to borrow uh a little bit of everything he's borrowing stuff that happened to him in his own life stuff he was nervous about stuff he's reading about now there i'm gonna say this and stop me if i'm wrong mike because I, I think i'm correct on this um but uh, i have been wrong on the show before no um one time one time uh that was it just the once um but Wait, uh
2: you've been wrong one time in the amount of times that you've been wrong
1: well, correct. I mean, <laughs> I, I saved my first error for on the air. It is what it is. There you go. So, um, But I'll say this. Uh, one story that had to stick out for him in particular is uh, the Eastern Europeans, like we were saying, because the Western Europeans are not really helping them around this time frame. We're talking about the Ottoman Turks, who are pretty advanced warfare people. That's They're big on bows and arrows. These are technically the descendants of the Mongolians, right? Um, so there's a lot going on over there. There's a lot of threats over there. What would you do if you can't, um, how do I put this? If you can't actually beat him in a fight, there's that, the the pilot, here we go. Here's how we get Kahuna back in. The pilot episode of Hey Arnold, he has to fight somebody, right? Do you remember this? He gets challenged to a fight by the big, uh, the, the butcher's kid. And he, instead, he realizes he's not going to win the fight. So instead, what does he do?
0: He outcrazies him.
1: He outcrazies him. So he goes full on first day in jail. I'm just going to show you guys. I'm going to smear my own shit on the wall or something. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of a Might better home. There is no better way to set up for a guy who literally just goes full on batshit crazy because he realizes as a, a legend he can be more intimidating than he actually could be effective. Lawrence Patrick Burke. Yeah. Who's Vlad the Impaler? <laughs> oh,
3: God. Oh, this is going to be the... good. I'm sitting back now. Yeah. Now my heavy lifting's over.
1: <laughs> Shit, we even got your son back in now. I hey, say, Vlad the Impaler. That's a good name Vlad right there. Vlad
2: the Impaler. Yeah, that's a, that's a catchy uh, name, don't you think? A little, oh, Impaler. yeah. All right. Well, Vlad, <laughs> Vlad the Impaler that's a nice was a real-life guy. So, I mean, you're talking legend, but it, you're basing legend on, you know, there is some fact-based uh, issues there that uh, – Bram is basing this guy off of, but uh, Vlad the Impaler had a couple of different names. He was the Prince of Wallachia. He's Vlad the Impaler. He's Vlad Tepes. Um, He's got all all different names. Um, He's also known as uh, Vlad the Third, not to be confused with Daddy, who was Vlad the Second. And Vlad the Second was part of an organization that uh, we're in romania now too so romania has been under war for they're fighting the mongolians they're fighting the ottomans it's a christian nation but they're fighting amongst themselves because romania that we know today was really made of three different principalities so you got all these uh princes that are fighting amongst themselves so KP, you made the point before about, you know, they couldn't gather up their forces to fight the Ottomans because everybody was infighting amongst themselves and nobody was trusting anybody else. So there was... So hang only... on,
1: hang on. Religion caused a fight? Is that what you're telling no, me? No, <laughs>
2: no, no. There was never any religious wars that were started by a religion. Come on. Come yeah, on. You know better than that. Jesus,
3: turn the other cheek. Yeah. <laughs> there you go.
2: <laughs> but uh, Romania is the battleground for all of these different factions going back and forth, because it was like the, uh, the gateway to the, uh, the Middle East. So if you're the Western Roman Empire and you're now trying to recapture the Holy Land, you're fighting the Ottomans, you're fighting the Turks, you're, you're going through all kinds of stuff there. Um, the Ottomans are making threats on the, uh, the, the Christian side of, of Europe, so they're trying to gather forces with us. They're all, and the Ottomans are also trying to you know, politicize or po- political their way in, and having uh, all these conquered territories come under their uh, domain, if you will, and. Uh, Vlad the Third, or Vlad the Impaler, as he would later become known.
1: Fucking guy gave himself his own nickname. Yeah. I hate that. No,
3: you no, kidding no. It was perfect for him. <laughs> yeah. if, if you can come up with a better nickname, I dare you. Uh, I got y- it. Vlad a- the
0: Kahuna.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you really don't want him. You might want to find out yeah. what uh, you, you where, where we're going yeah, with this, this before we be... uh, go with Anything Kahuna with this guy? Oh God!
1: Can you hold that um, piece of paper up to your head real quick, just to show Mike and uh, and everybody else in the room what's uh? Does that's, he?
2: That's the guys. I mean, oh God! A, yeah. A...
1: Does he look like anyone we know with hair? Maybe
2: he's a scary looking guy.
1: Larry Burke. He kind of looks like you. I'm being really? honest. Just in that particular shot, uh, right there.
2: I don't I got, think so. I got to let my stash grow out a little that's...
1: longer. <laughs> <that>. <laughs> so now, and I, and Vlad the Impaler. Is he called that yet, or no?
2: No, not yet. Okay. I mean, he. Uh, the start his you gotta whole start, start impaling people
3: first. Yeah, Come yeah, on, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll try to
2: speed this up till we get to the good. No, stuff. this is but, are uh, you
3: kidding? This is a great setup. This is the him.
1: money here. Then we go into the novel, and then by the way, the guy's going to die penniless, so that's why he's a loser. Just shout out a little foreshadowing. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, Terrence, <laughs> we know, wait know the, way the ending. Sp- yeah, wait to spoil right. it there. Yeah, spoiler alert. Wait a minute. The <laughs> Ottomans are attacking, um, and they're trying to conquer either by you know warfare or politicizing or whatever. Um, the Ottomans call in um, Vlad the Impaler, his dad, Vlad the Second. They call Vlad over to come over and let's talk about this. Maybe we can we can work out a deal as to Vlad's uh, dad, Vlad the Second, is in control of a section. We'll call it of what was now modern day Romania. So. Uh, Vlad's dad Vlad II
1: (laughs) Damn Vlad to meet you Hello (laughs) Yeah there
2: you go Um, He's called in For a uh, Negotiation And I guess as a sign Of good faith Or whatever He brings His two youngest Sons with him Once they get over By the Ottomans They immediately Throw him in jail Throw the dad in jail Throw the two The two sons in jail Vlad III and his, uh, his brother Radu. All right. So we got Radu and Vlad the third are the two kids and Vlad the second, the father, they're all imprisoned. Uh, they're held prisoner for about a year. And then the Ottomans work out a deal that, okay, Vlad the dad, (laughs) Vlad the second, you're allowed to go back to Romania, but you're going to come under our control. You're going to be under Ottoman control. And just to make sure that you stay with us, we're holding on to your two kids. So the two kids, Vlad the Third and Radu, are still being held by the Ottomans. a la Game of Thrones kind of ah, thing. Ah, you know, good tie-in. John yes. uh, yes. Stewart. Mm-hmm. John Snow is is held with uh, with them uh, growing up. And, and
1: wrong character, but I like what you did there.
2: It, wasn't snow
1: it was not Theon Greyjoy was uh, held by the thing. It's you. all good. <laughs> <you very much. laughs> Don't worry.
2: A Game of Thrones. But um, uh, the kids now are growing up within Ottoman control. The idea was that the Ottomans thought, well, if we bring these guys up or raise these kids in our culture, that they're going to be more receptive to our way of thinking and perhaps maybe even renounce their own religion and everything else. And that's where Vlad the Third, the kid, finally gets to see his first impalement, because the Ottomans—they've got all kinds of really neat ways of killing people.
1: Mike, how old was your son who's with us here today when he saw his first impaling?
2: Uh, I got hold on.
3: Uh, got <laughs> scheduled
2: for it's three a- weeks <laughs> yeah. from
1: tomorrow.
2: So. Probably got that on yeah. Facebook memory, no, don't but, you? Uh, <laughs> mazel tov, buddy. <laughs> oh my God. Um, as it turns out, um, Vlad the Kid, Vlad Third, and his brother Radu, um, they're taught you know, all kinds of uh, higher education, but also the warrior culture that the Ottomans uh, kind of embraced. Um, as it turns out, Radu, there was some speculation that maybe the younger brother Radu uh, was a favorite of one of the uh, sultans within the Ottoman Empire, and they were more than friends. We'll we'll put it that way. Okay, um, more than friends. More than friends. Friends with benefits, or whatever you want to call it. We're
1: going to get complaints. This was um, too close to Pride Month. We're talking a lot of bad things about some nice members of uh, that community right now.
2: <laughs> All right. So anyhow, Vlad the Second is called this diplomatic <laughs> meeting. He's got his kids. Uh, they throw him in jail. Uh, he's uh, in captivity for about a year. Then they send the father back to go rule his little section of Romania. The kids are now brought up and they're tutored in the sciences and philosophy and the arts. So they're getting the, you know, the higher education. Vlad becomes a skilled horseman and a warrior. Um, And there's also some speculation that it wasn't all just fun and games that he was also imprisoned and tortured and everything else. So, you know, although he's getting an education, he's getting a full flavor of education. He's uh, getting a beat on
1: Calic school. (laughs) There
2: you go. A little more than hitting your knuckles with the rulers though. Um, Then uh, Vlad, the, the, uh, the second, uh, he belongs to this warrior, um, organization kind of a thing kind of like the knights of columbus or something right so it's it's a religious organization but they're a warrior clan and in the romanian language um the word dragon is really pronounced uh dracula dracul dracula Dracula. we are sowing seeds baby right that's perfect and then the son of dracula becomes dracula so, Vlad Third is also Dracula.
1: You tell me this guy's the mother of dragons? <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's the Again, <laughs>
2: Game of Thrones, right? Brother of dragons is what <laughs> he brother is. Brother of dragons, oh, Jesus. right. The son of dragons. Son of dragons, Son yes. of dragons, son of dragons, all right? Um, um, Vlad is is the, the father, is freed from Ottoman captivity. He goes back and, uh, you know, does things. But when his... Uh, when he gets back to Romania, to Wallachia in, in Romania, uh, Vlad's uh, is uh, the father is killed and his older brother is killed. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce this one, but it's Marcia, M-I-R-C-E-A, Marcia. We're going uh, with you. The dad is killed once he gets back. Now, the dad is killed not by the Ottomans. But by all the warlords that are back in Romania that are now jealous of him being appointed by the Ottomans to rule, so they kill him off. I mean, this is a Game of Thrones like. There is no fiction. About, this is real life shit that's happening. Yeah, here. like he's a, a vici. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you might as well kill him off. Why right. not? So um, all these warlords back in Wallachia in Romania, kill him off, kill the father, and then kill the older brother. Uh, And they had a very special way of killing the older brother by, um, uh, I think they buried him alive. I think they first tortured him, blinded him, and then buried him alive. So these are, these are harsh times, right? This, this wasn't, this isn't screwing around
3: here. They didn't pee on his corpse or anything. (laughs) Right,
2: right. Vlad is finally freed after the father is killed, the older brother is killed. Vlad is finally freed. He goes back and um, through wars and everything else, he's able to then put himself in charge. Um, Another little thing that happened is Constantinople, um, the city of Constantinople, fell to the Ottomans, threatening all of Europe. So now we've got all of Europe is now afraid that the Ottomans are coming through Romania to uh, to take on the rest of Europe. So I mean, their their power quest wasn't just going to end at Greece and no further. They're 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 keeping on going here. Um, so uh, you know, who's going to defend Wallachia from invasion? Well, we got we got old Vlad there, and and he is a, a super bad warrior but he's also pretty freaking ruthless that, um, you know, legend has it that he personally beheaded his op- opponent in one-on-one combat. Um, when he finally gets back to uh, Wallachia after this particular battle, and uh, he's trying to bring all this internal strife within Romania with all these various warlords and everything else, he invites him uh, to a, a big feast type of a thing, invites hundreds of them to a banquet. Uh, knowing that once he got back from the wars here, that his authority was going to be challenged. So he has this big feast. And yeah, we got a real life red wedding coming up here for, oh, if, for the, Games of, the Games of Thrones <laughs> people. So Jeez. all these all these various warlords and um, um, Saxons and, and everybody else shows up at this thing. And uh, as his guests arrive, uh, he uh, stabs them all to death you know has has him executed do you have a number uh, hundreds <laughs> hundreds actually I think it was thousands
3: okay well, Jesus well, Christ. Yeah, he, he went he went uh, whole hog on these people oh, it's man yeah, he was not a merciful guy
2: all right so this is where finally we get to the impaling part of this so uh, Vladimir, so I, like, I, wait
1: you're telling me this guy's gonna have a villainous turn now
2: yeah <laughs> oh, now, now, okay. now, <laughs> the, now,
1: now comes the dark times so now it's gonna get dark <laughs>
2: So, Vlad invites hundreds of them to the banquet, knowing that his authority in Wallachia is going to be challenged. And he has his guests stabbed, uh, and then their still twitching bodies are impaled. Jesus, God, so, He's not quite dead yet, but we're going to impale you just to, just to make finish it sure, yeah. off. All right, now, what is an impaling? Are you sure you want to be known as. No. Kahuna the Impaler. No,
0: I didn't say. I didn't say that. You were said. You were trying to look for uh, alternate said names. Glad the
2: Kahuna.
3: Yeah, Vlad <laughs> the no, Kahuna. You, you really don't to, want. No, I don't want any no, no. association
0: well, with this. I take it all
3: back. Kahuda, have point. you ever
1: been to a pig roast? Yeah. So, uh, probably take less that.
2: painful for the pig.
1: Yeah. Imagine that. Uh, yeah, because the
2: pig is dead before you put yeah. him on the spit,
1: and he's also being. Put on the spit horizontally instead of vertically. Yeah. Um, go ahead, LP. <laughs>
2: um, impaling is a its a particularly gruesome form yeah, of torture. Stu Greenberg,
1: if you're hearing us, get off of the treadmill now. <laughs> right. You're going take, to vomit in the gym, sir. Take, All right. take a
2: break. Um, a wooden pole or a metal pole is inserted through the body, either from the front or the back, vertically through the rectum or the vagina, if you happen to be at the female persuasion. And the exit wound could be near the victim's neck, shoulder, or mouth. Now
0: oh, they're just making human puppets. Now the oh. pole.
3: Oh really, pole. that's that's how you're you're that's how you're framing this.
4: These <laughs> okay, are like, right.
3: no, it's <laughs> just a human puppet. Just Dude. Like my puppets. <laughs> right. I don't want to uh, I am well, you know no what? longer involved in any of your productions. Fair
2: there is All a good. puppet. What's his uh, Mr uh, jalapeno on a stick? Oh jeez. Right? <laughs> Ottomans on a stick? Jeff Dunham, right? Wow. say Jalapeno on a There you go. There you go. Uh, now, in most <laughs> cases, the pole was rounded, not sharp, because you didn't want to any damage any of the internal organs, thereby uh, prolonging the suffering of the victim. And then once it's they just were given It's just giving a swipe
1: before you give lethal injection <laughs> to make sure we yeah. don't give you a disease. Attaboy. Yeah, oh. and
2: it, gravity took its- Right, and, and, and the pole was then raised vertically to display the victim's torment. And it could take uh, hours or days for the impaled person to die, uh, though Vlad is wildly uh, uh, credited with bringing order and stability to watch. you I mean, once he's back, hey, Vlad's back in town and there's a new sheriff in town. What's that smell? That's a- <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: they were on full display for people, too, right?
2: This is uh, this is another a little lose reception here a little bit jesus um, christ dozens of uh, of these saxon merchants now the saxon merchants were really uh german origins that were now trying to bring their right influence into romania so they're
1: they're trying as to were ex- once the franks the the picts i mean everything this is all right. i mean this super this super duper pale is people
2: completely at war with one another and outsiders uh, invading, if you will.
3: These are my people, by the way. I'm half Irish and half Wallachian.
2: Whoa. Oh, is that
3: right? Yeah, well, Czechoslovakian, but yes. Okay. So right. these these are technically my people. And Jesus. Yes. Mike the Impaler. I kind of like the way that sounds. All right.
2: Dozens of these uh, Saxon merchants uh, were also impaled because they were aligned with a lot of these warlords, these boyars. Uh, These warlords that uh, um, Vlad was going to have to come into uh, um, discrepancy with, Um, uh, and it was really these Saxon merchants that once word got back to Germany that hey we got we got this crazy guy, and that's where his whole um, story really took leaps and bounds. That you know now we're not now we're. Bordering on what's historical fact and what is legend as to how gruesome really was this Vlad uh, Vlad the Impaler. What
1: did Jimmy Stewart teach us in the Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, Dad? <laughs> you print the legend. You print the legend. Mm.
2: All right. Um, now th- I found this. This was another little interesting side tidbit uh, to kind of show you the the way Vlad thought. Um, some of the Ottoman Turks. Uh, they're still involved here. So they send this diplomatic envoy uh, to have an audience with Vlad in 1459. And the diplomats, these uh, Ottoman Turk diplomats, show up and decline to remove their hats, citing a religious custom. That Wait for I it.
3: I see where this
2: is going. <laughs> Wait for <laughs> it. Citing that it's against their religion to remove their hats. Well, commending them there on, on their religious devotion. Vlad ensured that the hats would forever remain on their heads by having the hats nailed onto the diplomats' skulls. <laughs> Didn't bother killing them first. They just, you know, get bring me a hammer and nail. We'll take care of we'll take care of that. So we don't want to mess up any of their religious customs. Uh, um, uh,
1: yeah, he's um it, he's got all those villain qualities of like you know when you you almost feel bad in a movie for the henchmen because they <laughs> like, yeah they, they screwed don't know up they signed up for yeah like the they they screw up killing the hero and then the guy the evil guy' is so bad to them you almost feel bad for him like wait a minute they're still henchmen you know so it's it, it's a weird time here but this guy I mean finish up here LP and then I want to yeah, grab, I'm, jump in the I'm novel there but no, there's take a couple, your time a
2: couple little tidbits here get y- your knowledge gotta,
1: man because he's Always really
2: not Totally solid on his uh, Vlad the Impaler uh, title just yet, because he's still got a few more impalements to to go to really, you know, cement the deal. Secure that title. (laughs) Really. Um, uh, The Ottoman Turks are still looking to uh, conquer Europe. um, And Vlad's victories over the invading uh, um, Ottomans are, you know, that story is going widespread. And he's he's being celebrated. I mean, to the locals, he's a hero. I mean. He's got his—he's got his own ways of doing things, but he's quirky. He's
1: quirky. (laughs) Are you really going to criticize the guy out loud, though? (laughs) Even five
2: hundred years removed, come on, Larry. (laughs) He made the trains run on time. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. The wagon trains, but (laughs) yes. Um, So, anyhow, uh, he's being celebrated through the rest of Romania, Wallachia, Transylvania, and the rest of Europe. Even Pope Pius II was impressed that you know, the victories that he's scoring against the Ottomans, okay, he's a wackadoodle, but he's our wackadoodle, and he's and he's killing Ottomans, so uh, he's killing Turks, so yeah, he's a good guy. Uh, on one occasion, the uh, the Ottomans send this huge army, uh, huge army to try to put this guy down, and, you know, Vlad is completely outnumbered, but he goes on a guerrilla warfare type of a thing, and he's hitting them left and right, um, Even sends in uh, some troops led by himself and goes into the Ottoman camp at night dressed as Ottomans and with the intention of of, um, killing the...
1: Just so Kahuna knows, dressed as Ottomans, um, that would be the Turkish people, not Mm -hmm. the thing you put your feet up on at (laughs) the edge of the couch. So it's not a big couch coming in to kill.
3: (laughs) Although that would be really cool. (laughs) Because, I mean, talk about brilliant tactics and... Disguise
1: the
2: Bob's Discount yeah. massacre. That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's taken the Trojan horse one one more level. Uh, coming straighted. in as an ottoman, <laughs> I started his feet and worked my way up. <laughs> but uh, he's hitting them left and right in this guerrilla warfare kind of a thing. He goes in at night, tries to kill them. He did not. He did not um, execute the uh, the uh, the head ottoman, if you will, the uh, the sultan that, that they were really looking for to tend us But he escapes through the night. And then he's going with a scorched earth earth policy in in reverse kind of a thing that um, the Ottomans are completely outnumbering them. Their forces are way, way over the top. So the only thing he can do is have a scorched earth policy so that the Ottomans, their supply lines are completely stretched out because they're coming from way far away. So with the idea that they were going to live off the land, well, if you're burning everything in sight before they get there, there's nothing for them to really survive on. And then when they get to this one village, they find the village uh, completely deserted. There's nobody around until they get outside of the village. And there, it's estimated that there's 20,000 Ottoman Turks that have been captured in previous battles that are now impaled. And the line goes on forever.
1: Holy shit.
3: That's where that thousand numbers come from. 20,000 people impaled. Right. That's a shit ton. of wood right that's
2: (laughs) (laughs) that's a a lot of poles yeah
1: (laughs) i imagine an environmental critique it's he's big on deforestation personally
2: right and now as the uh now as the ottoman army comes and witnesses this you got all these you know twenty thousand bodies up on these poles and the crows are are eating away at the carcasses the dead carcasses that are now on these poles and you know we're like Hey, you know, uh, I think maybe this is a good place to turn around and go home because uh, we're done here. Because if that's what they did to these people, I really don't want to be the next guy up on on that uh, on that firing. Jesus. Um, It's estimated that in total, Vlad uh, is estimated to have killed 80,000 people through various means. This includes some 20,000 people who were impaled and put out on display outside the city of Dragobost um, and the uh, the invading army, the invading Ottoman army uh, led by Sultan Mehmed II uh, decided that, eh, you know what, I think we got... Nobody, no, buddy,
1: no, we are not um, doing this, no.
2: <laughs> I got to end with this because it, I think it goes right back to what you were saying earlier, Mike. Because you know the, where we're heading. Yeah, the Middle Ages were notoriously violent. And the name vlad the third dracula may have been a mere historical footnote were it not for a, a book that was written in 1820 by this british council uh there was a british council who was sent to a lot, wallachia william wilkinson and that's the guy that you spoke mm-hmm. of earlier whoa so wilkinson right. wilkinson is this british council who goes to wallachia and he starts to Um, write down all these various accounts and all these various stories of uh, Vlad, um, because, you know, we were a couple hundred years afterwards now, by 1820. And he writes this book on account of the principalities of Wallachia and Moldavia, uh, with various political observations relating to them. That's the, that's the title of the book. Yes. It's, it's, <laughs> it's not like fly off the shelf yeah, summer really. reading. No. Yeah, and actually... A lack of brevity. Um, not a bestseller. Wilkinson delves into the history of the region mentioning the notorious warlord Val Teps, which is Val the Third Dracula, which is v- Vlad the uh, the Impaler. Now, this book, although it was available, it was, you know, you had to be granted special permission even to look at this and that's where bram stroker going finally going back to him again
0: it wasn't on no he got wind
2: of this from a friend (laughs) that he had to go to this one specific library that still had a copy of of this uh of this book that was written by wilkinson and he starts doing some of this research about vlad vlad the third vlad dracula um and i think you know obviously that's where a lot of it was a lot of other little tidbits that you know um it was reported and i think was primarily by the uh, the saxon uh, merchants the german merchants that you know he also liked to dine with all of these impaled bodies around him and he would actually uh, dip his bread in their blood and, and eat that so i mean yep. there was the whole vampire thing coming Oofah. in there that you're drinking their blood and and vampirism that that did not start in Transylvania or or in Romania. I mean, vampirism has a long, long history going back you know, to ancient times that uh, Egypt and and not just Egypt culture, but I mean, to ancient Egypt. Mm -hmm. But throughout the world, there's always been a fear of uh, the undead uh, feasting on somebody else's uh, blood. Of course, because well, that was,
3: you know, that was back in the day we only had the daylight. We didn't have electricity. We we couldn't take back the night. Right. And that's, it's a primal fear. It's a primal childhood fear. And that's one of the things that a lot of people, a lot of scholars were talking about that Bram Stoker felt. This was his greatest fear growing up that no one could help him and someone would come in and he was weak and he couldn't be protected. And I mean, uh, there are, um, the Wampir, The there are uh, Chinese vampires and they're, each culture has its own way of dealing with them. Chinese vampires, if you read anything about them, it's so strange. You can defeat them by throwing rice, a bag of rice in yeah. front of them because they are, um, they're obsessive compulsive and they need to count each grain of rice. <laughs> and if you throw enough rice on the ground, the sun will come up and
2: destroy them so right they, they get so fixated and this counting is quality. Every grain right. of quality yeah yeah it's insane i, I can't
1: remember well. if you said it on the show or not mike but uh because we're gonna throw it to you now if that's okay and by the way lp uh well done as always amazing <laughs> that was fantastic um,
3: i i actually um i was like scrunching up my rectum right there when you were talking about the impaling i'm like oh god that yeah, sounds horrible
2: you might feel a little pinched
1: yeah. <laughs> we're actually going to I want to ask uh, Mike oh, right now God. too because there was uh you were saying that you had all the information about vampires that a 9-year-old boy could. That's when this this story started to speak to you or
3: Um actually I I no, before that.
1: No shit, really? But oh
3: yeah, I I'm I'm a kid. And then
1: your your well-adjusted son is sitting right behind you and I just can't believe that that Oh,
3: <laughs> he is very well adjusted. Isn't it incredible? His his mom has done a great job keeping me locked away. That's... So and and it's your weekend with them, Exactly. It's today is it's my Monday.
2: Um, he does have dagger eyes towards the cojones every now. Exactly. And then. <laughs> <laughs> He's just waiting for
3: that slip up. Um, but I I had a childhood fascination with horror. I was six years old when I saw Night of Living Dead for the first time on network television. Six God damn six. It was on uh, ABC. Had it on a late night, eleven thirty-five. If you remember, on Sunday nights. Uh, they kept that extra five minutes mm-hmm. for the the news to wrap up. Right. So it was 1135 when the the movie started. If you look in the TV guide, it's like 1135. That's weird. But um, I, I was fascinated with horror. I was fascinated with um, things that went bump in the night. And vampires are the epitome of that, uh, more so than zombies, because vampires are pure evil.
1: Oh, yeah, th- there's uh, some plotting. You can get out of a room that a zombie comes into, but the exactly. vampire, you don't even know he's there till it's too late. He has,
3: he's got superior strength, superior speed. Um, you know, he can turn into a bat or a wolf, and right. he can mess up your day.
1: W- so- when you said Chinese vampires earlier, and my immediate thought was vamp- Chinese vampire bats, bats, COVID-19. <laughs> China. <laughs> That's what <laughs> happens, there buddy. You
3: there you go. See?
1: The strings are starting to come about. yeah we can make anything true if we That's needed to
3: exactly but i i absolutely adored the idea of vampires i never wanted to become one i mean i, I right. wanted to fight him i wanted it to be van helsing because who an doesn't invention want, of yeah yes who doesn't want to be van helsing who doesn't want to be the hero of the story actually i wanted to be um jonathan harker who was the true hero of the story even though he was kind of lame in the beginning so It's it's really hard to want to be anyone in Dracula, because all of the characters are really self-serving.
1: There, uh, yeah, yeah, I would say every single one
3: of them. And there's there's not truly a heroic um, character in there. Even if you watch the um, the Keanu Reeves, whoa, um, the Dracula, the um, Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula, yes,
1: with uh, Gary Oldman as. uh, the, the count if you will
3: was it French? Is that why Popo you still drank? carry yeah. garlic
2: in your pocket or to this day mike no i'm married to an <laughs> italian so Uh-oh. it
3: just kind of helps you, get, en- you <laughs> get enough of that likes to smell. Okay. um but yeah and if you i started doing other research like um people who had uh pro- progeria? progeria oh that's
1: the advanced aging disease for children right
3: is that one no i don't think that's it is it pro- prophoria it's, it's one of the ones that you actually like your steaks really rare and you, <laughs> uh, you you have an iron deficiency
1: oh shit this is me okay, okay got it
3: and exactly so um and uh your skin gets very very sensitive to light and so do your eyes and so you only go out at I'm night three
1: so for you, three uh, sort of like, for four night uh,
3: nightclub comic <laughs> nightclub comic so you sort of like boo radley in uh to kill a mockingbird <laughs> so i mean i i honestly oh, thought that, that he was, was a vampire guy.
1: of all but, the references
3: um, but you, you know, there were all these things that, that, uh, tied together. There were, there are diseases that, you know, people crave blood. There's, um, Peter, uh, I should just look up his name. Why the hell not? Um, from Dusseldorf, Germany. Uh, he used to bite Uh-oh. the heads off of swans. Oh, you're and- talking about Ozzy Osbourne. No. <laughs> well, yeah, him too. Um, Peter, Peter, Dusseldorf. yeah,
1: Germany, there, there's no, um, there's no Peter. shortness of, uh, Peter uh, Curtin. I'm sorry. Peter, Peter Curtin. Curtin.
3: Yes. Uh, the, uh, German serial killer known as the vampire of Dusseldorf. Uh, he committed a series of murders and sexual assaults between February and November, 1929 in Dusseldorf,
1: Was Germany. this the, uh, the, um, he was the dentist? Did he no. would take the kid's teeth? Uh, no. That, that's... See, Germany's got a shitload of bad people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we wow! Get, no, we didn't even get into the political stuff yet. Um, um,
3: no. This dude was uh 50 years old. His name was Peter Curtin, and um, he's he's just a lunatic. But he had there. There are psychological um uh, factors where people think they are vampires. Even to this day, there are people out there who. They want to be vampires so much that, you know, like the children of Lasange or Lysandra, Um, If you read um, Garth Ennis's Preacher, there are you
1: know, oh shit, okay, yeah, That's a- <laughs> there,
3: I'm bringing it back to comics. But you know, in New Orleans, there was he had this fictitious, you know, uh, church of vampires, and there are people out there that do this on a weekly basis. They don't, they don't like drink tainted blood or anything but they're they're just they act like vampires
1: well there's also lady bathory um that thought that by bathing in the blood of women prettier than her younger women she would preserve her age and we had to explain to her that that's absolutely barbaric please use child's circumcised foreskins instead
3: um well she didn't listen so we had to kill her and that's—it's just what happens. <laughs> Don't listen to me; you die. It's—it's it's the Vlad Tepes rule. So, um,
1: well, because th- this is really the start of because H.P. Uh, Lovecraft has gone on record saying that, uh, and, and he's a master of modern horror, if you will. We even tied in Ghostbusters to to his episode, and he was a absolute bastard of a critic. But I, he wrote that uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. And uh, that Bram Stoker's uh, Dracula are the two perfect novels of the genre that there's nothing there's no edits he would make. There's nothing you could possibly cut out. And then as you were just talking about the comic books, uh, HBO had True Blood, which is based off of mm-hmm. novels and is coming to town. This is all off of stuff that we took uh, other people's machinations, if you will. Mm-hmm. Of this original novel, right? That's really the first right. kind of venture or foray into the 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 what it's I would genesis say,
2: that, of so many different
1: yeah vampires right. a genre man you know what I mean at this point but this is the first go round right. of it right
3: you even said um, you know Penny Dreadful that, yeah that was steeped in it it's called uh, porphyrias it's uh, mm-hmm. inherited disease caused by defects in making um, hemoglobin in red blood cells so you need to go and bite somebody and drink their yeah. blood, so you can have some hemoglobin in you.
1: Hemoglobin, worst Spider-Man
3: villain ever. Yes. Uh, <laughs> or, oh God, yeah, or get a
2: job at the blood bank.
3: That's a- oh, you could have done. <laughs> yeah. He could have done that, but no, no, you had to be a jerk. Um, you're absolutely right. This this novel hits, and it doesn't become popular.
1: No, not at the, first. Right. Critically acclaimed though, most it's, of the critics loved it. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, although
3: there are, um, there's a story out there that says that um he claimed that this was a true story that all the characters were real and that this happened jesus and i'm, I'm this is bram stoker now this is 1997 or in 1990 it's 1897 <laughs> what's happening over in uh england at this point
1: 1897 yes so you got jack
3: the ripper jack the ripper true exactly crime,
1: man um
3: it's it's London yeah. was still recovering from. We got, some,
2: we got too many real life. You're uh, good. You're, you <laughs> got too many. Re- <laughs> you're good. No, no, you, No, you. no, no, you. you.
3: Um, and they actually chopped a hundred and one pages.
2: Yeah, uh, so, I read that that they first like hundred and one pages of his original manuscript, mm-hmm. if you will, was was cut and later found and
1: like, found in a uh, barn or something too. There Pennsylvania was some weird... in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Like how <laughs> the hell did it end <laughs> up from,
3: from there to that Pennsylvania? is weird. And that's gotta be somehow twisted to us. So oh, there's some Not stuff. A Jersey
1: connection, but an East coast connection. Well, I, I have it? a Jersey connection shortly.
3: So, um, yeah, it became, as a matter of fact, uh, it, he, he died almost penniless, left his wife, a pauper, and uh, it would not become a, uh, a truly amazing part of the zeitgeist to yeah. use that like that um, until after it can go into the public domain. So public domain it comes. I think nineteen twenty-five. Right? Yeah, he there did was
1: something. They screwed up with the the copyright. The copyrights. Thing.
3: Yeah, he, he could have gone on longer. And was it him
0: would've... or his publisher? Because didn't he, he did uh, have no, a public...
3: I, I he did have a publisher, but I think it was him. Okay, he forgot to file an extension, and he died in nineteen twelve, same uh, week as the Titanic. <laughs> Whoa!
0: So, so it would have probably gone to the public domain regardless, wouldn't have it?
2: Uh if
3: he had if he had just
2: you know extended that um, yes he could have made some bucks off of it for a lot longer than he did uh, for his wife and
3: his heirs but the estate now 1920 was it 21 or 22 Nosferatu yes they go to the they go to the, <laughs> the widow widow stoker and they say uh, nice German people we want to make uh, you know
1: a, a movie pizza.
3: yeah we want to make a nice uh, movie with of your, your husband's character
1: around the time she goes, "Wait, what the fuck is a movie?" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah.
3: This newfangled stuff, and uh, it's it's demonic. Uh, and she says no, because they they didn't offer much money, because I mean it was a new medium, and so she told them to uh, you know take a, a blind kick at a rolling Nine. donut, and so they changed a couple of uh, names around. But essentially, if you watch Nosferatu, it's Dracula. It's Dracula by proxy, <laughs>
4: yeah.
3: uh, and she was having none of it. So she, penniless as she was, she was starting to make a little bit of money off of the uh, the, reta- uh, the retail the, um, the residuals, residuals? Of, right. of Dracula, and so she she got a barrister and had all but uh, fifteen copies of Nosferatu destroyed. Jesus. Yeah. So um, she almost destroyed like one of cinema's um, most amazing horror movies. Yeah. So, um, but he's, he's in my opinion, an Irish loser for the fact that he died penniless. And this was (coughs) what it is now is a a billion dollar a year industry. Oh, easy. Dracula. And there are people out there who, I mean, there's a castle Dracula in Transylvania that, People can go mm-hmm. and stay, not during coronavirus, of course, but you
2: know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I did some research on the Romanian uh, tourist information board, and there's all all kinds of stuff. I mean, they're they're pumping that. You know, you want to come visit the the supposed Dracula castle or? You know, get the, the, the Dracula tour. Well, They're all about it. There's the also base. Hotel Transylvania. It's a great place to stay. <laughs> yes. right. You can check in, but you can't check out. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Stupid. Well, I have a quick <laughs> question for Mike. On <laughs> I have a quick question for Mike, but there was a couple other weird things I found just in my, my uh, wormhole, uh, uh, rabbit hole travels, I should say. And uh, one of them was that uh, during his lifetime, one of his very good friends uh, was Walt Whitman who's an American icon. Weird, right? Yeah. Uh, Walt Whitman, technically a New Yorker, a little bit of a a wandering man himself, all right? He's got uh, a little Almond Brothers to him, but he bounces around all over the place. Um, But he makes his final years are spent in Camden, New Jersey. And uh, I I shit you not, his uh, back and forth letter writing between him, uh, himself, Walt Whitman, and Bram Stoker, those letters uh, were found and kept and they were found in Camden, New Jersey. So oddly enough, the center of the universe remains <laughs> New, New, Jersey, Jersey. New Jersey. So
3: you bought a house in Camden, New Jersey for $250 and you found those left. That's amazing.
1: That is it. Well, cause you were right too. the, also uh, the other thing is that uh, the widow Stoker is uh, she gets absolutely uh, screwed over on a lot of things. I didn't know she had gotten so successful with it. The, the takedown of uh, Nosferatu. Yeah. Um, I do know that uh, obviously the the Bella Lugosi version, I think was signed that uh, there's some interesting stuff with that, but one thing I thought was worth noting is that uh, what actually kills uh, Bram is, uh, some people say he was overworked, other people say it was, what was it, acute um, hepatitis? Syphilis. Syphilis, there it is. And uh, if you click on that, um, now obviously we think of it as a sexually transmitted disease, but what this specific strain of it does is morphs your face, and one of the death masks I saw, not of Stoker himself, but um, of uh, just people with advanced stages of the disease, looks shockingly like Nosferatu as he's portrayed in the film, with the uh, giant bat-like, like, like uh, villain ears and the, the weird face, and everything. so that kind of tripped me out a little bit just to begin with. There, uh, one other weird note I had, and then I do have a quick follow up for you, and then I think we're out of here. Um, so. Originally, uh, I think he wanted to have it as a play, and he asked uh, Henry Irving to play the role, right? So Henry Irving, if you remember uh, earlier in the episode, was the actor of which uh, right. you know Bram was in his employ well, his entire life. Yep. His early days. Hitching so, to that star. Yep. So now, not only this, by the way, he asks him to play the role, and he goes, and by the way, I based most of Count Dracula when he's not in you know bat form or mm-hmm. anything like that terrorizing the people in the castle. He asks, uh, um, he goes, I, I, most of this is based off of you. So if you go and you take a look at Irving and some of the, the cartoons and stuff like that that were drawn at him at the time, Irving, interesting character in his own right, because he is an actor, marries a, uh, a, very, you know, uh, a very pretty lady, right? Um, and then one day she says to him, how much longer are you going to keep making a fool of yourself up there on stage? Pretty much saying, like, this, this acting shit's fucking lame, right? Yeah. Now, your, your
2: acting ability is
1: lame. Yeah. Or this act, that's never going to make us any real money. Uh, he never speaks to her again, right? Never speaks to her again. Wow. Does not divorce her. He had kids with her at this point, too. Stays away from the kids for a little while, gets closer with them as they become adults. And then he, because he's honored for being one of England's finest actors, eventually gets knighted. Okay. So again, we said he he's you know he hangs out with a lot of knights, uh, our, our boy Bram. Um, so he's hanging out with the, the good Sirs of London. And uh, when this guy gets n- uh, knighted, Henry Irving, his wife actually starts re- to refer to herself, even though she hasn't seen him for years, as Lady Irving. So now she never divorced. So I'm going to keep your title. Oh, don't get me wrong. We're doing great here. I've always supported his work. I've been a big fan. of yeah. him. She pulled a Tiger Woods dad on him of pretty course. much. Wow. Um, I would kick her so far in her ass. She would deserve it, too, on that one. And, and like the- we said, uh, the, the praise, the, the copyright issue is the reason he dies penniless. Uh, Also, he openly advocated for the arrest and uh, removal of all homosexuals in England. What a guy. Meanwhile, he's (laughs) hanging out with a lot of closet guys
3: and a couple of non closeted guys.
1: He's hanging out with uh, this beautiful wife. He never seems to do anything with Uh, Bram had some some self-loathing.
3: Yeah, he had some issues. Stop talking shit, Bram. It's <laughs> yeah, Bram. Bram uh, another reason why he's a loser is because of that stance. And it, it could have been that he was he was pulling a Kim Darby. So interesting. You know. Okay, interesting.
1: Yeah, that's uh. I'll, I'm gonna wrap up on this one if we can. And uh, first of all, Mike, thank you so much for coming in. Oh my Absolutely. God, thank yeah, you guys. Well,
0: because I've <laughs> been so, talking about this for a while. Uh, we this an one episode, been Yeah, yeah.
3: And Larry did. Larry did all the heavy lifting on this. One. Oh, no. handsome oh, over, over here! Oh yeah,
1: you can't give. I told him. I said, "Relax, Mike's a subject matter expert on this." He goes, mm, and I was like, "You can look up Vlad the Impaler." No, that, was, <laughs> that was
3: amazing. And there's there's so much in there that oh, my God, we could we could talk yeah. for like hours. About Absolutely. That. Absolutely. They're, uh, they're intense people the... over yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, we are. Um, <laughs> Don't forget it.
1: That's right. <laughs> well, I want to ask. Uh, we'll, we'll throw to Kahuna real quickly for this one, because I I'm anxious. This is the casting couch segment. So for... we, we hit a Jersey connection. We hit a uh, lose reception. Now hit me with a casting couch so we can get these for four Bram folks Stoker? home. Bram uh, Stoker? Yeah. So uh, I think here's the thing I thought was interesting. Henry Irving was described as a tall, kind of a, a thin faced guy. Right, and he um, he had a a good deep voice on stage, and uh, he had these quirks to him. Right, so Henry Irving is so in my mind. I thought this would be the perfect one right here. Imagine if someone. He, he, by the way, he wouldn't even play Dracula in the play. He told uh, Bram, "No, I'm not playing the character." He you did. Wrote, he you said he, no. Wrote, I'm not playing that character. It's stupid. He goes, "Well, it's kind of based off of you." Um, Imagine in my in, in he your ever, head, if you will. Did
0: he ever react to that? By the way, like what was his reaction to finding out?
1: Couldn't find anything on that one, but in the uh, instinct went to immediately, Christopher Walken playing Henry Irving. What do you mean? The character is He's based, based on me. me. <laughs> I put this bat up my ass. <laughs> And so. that's how I bought the watch back. <laughs> so if you had to you. cast uh, the movie of, of Bram, uh, who would you be casting? For and Henry, I'll ask Mike as well.
0: For Henry Irving, maybe I'd go Benedict Cumberbatch.
1: Interesting.
0: Maybe. That might be kind of cool. And then for Bram Stoker, I would go probably Brian Cranston. I think that could be kind of cool. So, Interesting. Because I've, I've seen him kill it lately in a couple of movies that I've been watching in quarantine. Quarantine, quote, unquote.
1: So. And you had a dream casting for Dracula? And then same question to uh, my father, Mike, it. and we're out of here. I couldn't do a dream casting. You got it's one. It's
0: Christopher Lee, man. That He's Dracula
1: for me. That's fair. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm, actually, that's, that's I'm, it. I think we have to
3: retire that because he was Dracula. Um, amazingly, he was
2: Dracula. Yeah, he's, for me, I got to go old school, though. It's got to be Bella Lugosi. <laughs> <laughs> once, you, once you got Bela Lugosi in your head. Uh there can be no other uh Dracula. I don't think there's that's ever a good been one.
0: or will ever be anyone who played that character better than those two, truthfully. And I'm like thinking because I was thinking about it I was like, you can't do
1: it. You when can't. Gary Oldman's not even in the running, then no. you know that those guys probably nailed some home runs. Oh yeah. Um all right, that's great. My favorite Dracula is Leslie Nielsen. Um <laughs> of course that just is what <laughs> dead and dead loving, loving it, man. Oh my god. Yep. Uh Shamefaced, <laughs> Mike. If you had anybody for uh, to catch actually, as Bram. go to
2: go to let let's no. throw it to Larry. No, 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 no. throw it to. Oh, you gonna? Well, this is me? the last
1: segment. We're out of Imagine. here after this. So just empty your marbles out on the table. Um, for for Bram, I'm
3: thinking. Um, you know what, Timothy Dalton would be pretty damn T-Dalt. spot on. I like it. Uh, and for, uh, I think we've said Christopher Walk, Christopher Christopher Walken, Christopher Lee and, uh, and, and Bella, Bella. Nobody gives two shits for a Bella. Um, <laughs> and for our man Irving, um, let's, let's do another vampire. How about, um, Chris Sarandon? He's of an age right now that he would probably be perfect for it. Interesting.
1: I got to do a Google on that because I won't lie, Mike. You just stumped me.
3: Christopher Sarandon was. Um, did you ever see the Princess Bride? I did. It was uh, uh, Prince f- Humperdinck.
1: No shit. Okay. Yeah. All right. See, I'm actually it on would board. Would be now.
3: perfect for it. Well, chewing
1: up scenery. And <laughs> <laughs> LP, got anything you want to say on the way out?
2: No, it's, uh, it was a lot of fun, and I want to thank Mike for uh,
1: both the zaps. Exactly. Both, yeah. Thank you. Got zaps
2: to he he actually read up on his uh, his Bram.
1: Well, hang on. Who would you do for a casting couch on this one? Jump into a mic real quick oh, if you over. can, man. I, on nothing? On you got some, dude? Name some. You could say Jessica Simpson. I I can't tell you what's wrong. It's your movie. <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's right. He's not going to go see it, but it's it's your movie. Well, Jessica Simpson. <laughs> Bram
1: Stoker and, uh,
2: Ju- uh, and Irving. Irving. Irving.
3: Okay. Sir Henry Irving. Sir Henry Irving. <laughs> come on, on right on
1: get in there. Active. Zero pressure, okay, man. Okay, so Irving, Kevin Smith. I want to get <laughs> <laughs> And I want to work for Kevin, all right, a point. <laughs> and for Bram, Henry Irving, Jason Muse. Yeah, <laughs> Jason Lee. Muse. <laughs> don't ask me why, but my mind is just going to Jesse Smullett. I don't know why. Just, just yeah. honestly, <laughs> don't know. All right. Another guy who I lied about a true story. I'm going <laughs> to give Dracula to myself. I think all, I'll right. Be
3: all, right, all right. All right. I like the gumption. Making yeah, moves here. That's my here. boy.
1: I like that hey, one, man. He wants to
3: be in there. And and way to, to show that Zapsic ass kissing to the Smiths. <laughs> all
1: right. Well, I'll tell you what, then. I'm going to say thank you to both the Zapsics. This was awesome. Mike, I was so happy to have you on, man. Especially uh, not in a last-minute substitute because Christian forgot we were recording. Yeah, um, was, But <laughs> <that's>... <laughs> And thank you, of course, to the big kahuna. Yeah, you kissed my ass. I left something out, and I can't believe it. In uh, our, our last note here, LP, I love you. Thank you for taking the ride down. Sorry you got stuck in traffic. If you guys want to check us out, uh, $5 a month covers our studio costs over here. Uh, and also is allowing us to do some marketing, some other cool stuff. We have to pay Mike for his appearance today. Um, Uh, But uh, you do, (laughs) all right, (laughs) Um,
2: McDonald's for dinner, (laughs) bud. There you go, you can supersize those fries now.
1: (laughs) But we are over at, uh, we like doing the show here at Shared Universe because uh, Mike and Ming do take great care of us and it's more fun to bring people into a studio rather than for me to carry around the equipment and try to interview people while they walk across the street, you know what I mean? So it's much more fun that way. Check us out on SoundCloud, iTunes, every Tuesday is a free episode, but for a $5 month Donation, you do get a bonus monthly episode. We're starting to put more stuff up on the Patreon. kahuna has been teaching me about that stuff. Huey Long, the Kingfish, will be our topic for the end of this month. One of the most important people in American history. The only guy who almost beat FDR in his monster runs for the presidency. That's it. So pretty fascinating guy over there. Um, so check that one out, guys. If you can't afford the five bucks a month, it's just a uh, it's literally it's a large culture from Dunkin' Donuts, but I get it. If times are tough, Do me a favor, leave me a written review, say the show's great. Please, stop trying to bang my dad, this one guy. I don't know why he keeps saying, he keeps telling me, your dad's hot. I was like, thank you for these messages, just listen to the show. Um, And then finally, uh, guess who, when he was visiting America, Bram Stoker got to meet at the White House? Big Kahuna.
2: Who have we learned, Big Kahuna, that you never, ever should mess with? Don't, are you kidding me?
1: yep he was a guest with henry irving he was a guest of the teddy roosevelt white house
3: and that's awesome
1: and uh that is oh my
0: god yo that's awesome
1: (laughs) that is the last note here guys this was awesome thank you guys so much for listening uh check us out and guys that was bram stoker sort of an american loser
4: (laughs) he's an irish
3: loser
0: (laughs) an american